Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning and welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program on this Wednesday. Good to be back with you. Lots of interesting things going on here at home, around the nation, the world. We've got a plan in the works to fund the government. Don't you feel so much better? (laughs) I have praise for at least 19 Republicans who have decided to weigh in on another profound waste of money and time. We'll talk about these folks and what they have done. We've got new information in the investigation into the Biden crime family. Believe it or not, this news reported by CNN. I know it's shocking. Absolutely shocking. Joe Biden goes to the picket line to suck up to the United Auto Workers. This is an effort to upstage in advance the former president, Donald Trump, who I believe is going to be there today. We've also got news on Donald Trump. It's not good in terms of what it sets up in other criminal proceedings. We will address this issue. Also, it doesn't look like, at least so far, that Ron DeSantis is getting the traction he was hoping to get now. Republican donors are taking a look at one other person as their best hope. We're going to tell you who that person is. Michelle Obama. This is one that's going to blow your mind. Another example of people who don't believe in America, who really love to profit from America. You'll hear a really good post from one of my favorite writers. We've got the big debate. Debate number two coming up tonight for the Republican candidates. Already, Ron DeSantis calling out the former president. You'll hear what he has to say. The debate coming up this evening will remind you, WBT will air the second GOP primary debate. And Brett Winterbull will be back this evening, 845 for somewhat of a pregame on the debate. So you will want to listen to that this evening. And we'll address what's going on out in California, where the Alphabet Mafia is getting everything at once. We'll tell you what it is Gavin Newsom has signed and the impact it will have on the folks out on the left coast. I want to begin with a story to put a smile on your face. It's kind of interesting. I mentioned, I believe on Monday, my visit to my mother and the fact that she has a whole box, huge box of pictures. One of the pictures I came across was the first family dog that we got. It was a beagle named Peanut, I believe. And it was kind of interesting, just the whole thing was just an interesting journey down memory lane coming across these pictures. But that was one that definitely grabbed my eye. I thought, wow, that goes way, way back. That was probably the third or fourth beagle that I've had. Uh, I love the breed. Absolutely love it. It's like, why in the world is Vince talking about beagles? Because this story grabbed my attention for a couple of reasons. I love beagles. The other thing is to tell you about another decent human being who just does something generous. A person who happened to be at the right place at the right time and saved the day. Here's what happened. This is a story of a postal worker. Who went above and beyond? What's the postal worker's job? To deliver the mail. That's all. They have no responsibility to you beyond that. 
but I want to tell you about a special mail carrier, Holly Prigmore. Holly was delivering mail just five days ago in Buchanan, Georgia. And she literally was in the right place at the right time. There was one person named Kelsey Proctor who put this up on her social media. It showed Prigmore holding up her phone with a type message facing the camera that read, Little Beagle bit by Copperhead. This wasn't a message just communicated. Prigmore proceeded to take Proctor's dog, Ginger, to a local vet to get treatment for the bite. Proctor initially shared the story on Facebook to find the postal worker to thank her for her life-saving act. After seeing the video, Prigmore commented, My absolute pleasure to help. Ginger is a doll baby. Ginger was indeed returned home after her vet visit and is recovering from the bite. And she, thankfully, is going to be okay. Isn't that awesome? Posting this, we're so thankful for the outpouring of love for Ginger and her sweet friend Holly, who is there for her in time of need. And the United States Postal Service even put out a statement on this. The Postal Service is part of the fabric of the nation with employees making a difference in every community across the country. We are very proud of Holly Prigmore and her quick action, which saved the life of a customer's beloved pet. It's pretty awesome to see this postal worker going above and beyond. That indeed is awesome. I also have praise this morning for 19 Senate Republicans. I'm somewhat surprised by this, to be honest with you. People were actually showing that they have a spine. It's miraculous. The Senate voted Tuesday to advance a short-term funding measure needed to avert a government shutdown at the end of the week. Not every lawmaker in the upper chamber was in support. The vote 77 to 19. All the 19 voting against this are Republicans, and I don't mind sharing all of their names because they deserve praise for this. Marsha Blackbird of Tennessee, Mike Braun from Indiana, Katie Britt from Alabama, our own Ted Budd from here in North Carolina, Ted Cruz in Texas, Steve Daines, Montana, Deb Fisher, Nebraska, Bill Haggerty, Tennessee, Josh Holly, Missouri, Ron Johnson, Wisconsin, Mike Lee, Utah, Cynthia Loomis, Wyoming, Roger Marshall, Kansas, Rand Paul, Kentucky, Pete Ricketts, Nebraska, Eric Schmidt, Missouri, Rick Scott from Florida, and Tommy Tuberville, Alabama, along with J.D. Vance from Ohio. All of these Republicans voted no on this piece of trash, and they are to be praised for that. By the way, Senators Dianne Feinstein, Jim Risch, Tim Scott from South Carolina, and Tina Smith did not vote. I don't know what the reason is. So now, the Senate is set to vote on a continuing resolution later this week, which should, could then send to the House to avoid a shutdown on October 1st. If the Senate can pass a CR later this week, this could put pressure on the House to bring it to the floor as the lower chamber struggles to make progress on its own. I'm sure they could, whatever they pass in the Senate, they can get done in the House if it's brought to the floor with Democrat votes alone. Well, they need a few Republicans. The question is, would such a bill be brought to the floor for a vote in the first place? Stay tuned as we watch this circus from the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. Come on, folks. It's just like watching WWE, except it's less exciting. Love to get your thoughts as we continue the broadcast. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com 
and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Can you believe we're nearing the end of September? This, a very important month, September, Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month, and it's time for the fourth annual WBT Little Heroes Blood Drive. Your generous donations of blood, critical in helping brave kids in the fight for their lives. We're asking you to consider donating tomorrow. That is tomorrow at the WFNZ Doghouse in Uptown. It is the fourth annual WBT Little Heroes Blood Drive in partnership with One Blood. Visit WBT.com for details and to register your appointments on the One Blood Big Red Bus. And we thank you in advance for your participation. If you'd like to join the conversation, our phone number here, it's 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110. Yeah, the last day of the month is Saturday. Then we're into October. Is it just me or is this year just absolutely zipped by? I mean, of course, there are seasons where it's felt like an eternity. But it's been pretty amazingly fast how this has just absolutely zipped by. Let us go out to a call from reed in matthews good morning reed and welcome hey good morning vince uh i'm responding to the uh call about i mean the the story about the government agent being bitten by a dog yeah the postal worker go ahead yes go right ahead okay um i was actually bitten by a dog one time so i'm kind of glad the government got some payback Uh, A contractor and I were working on a deck, and a Doberman was being walked, and the dog got loose from its handler. So it came after me, and the first thing he did, it went around on my backside and bit me in the checkbook, and then he went around on the other side and bit me in the wallet. So I call him the IRS Doberman. Ah! (laughs) So it's it's kind of uh, refreshing for me to see a government agent being bitten, because they sure bite me. (laughs) Oh my goodness! How how serious was it, by the way? Uh, it didn't didn't break the skin, but I had the bruised cheeks for a while. <laughs> oh, I could certainly imagine that. Uh, how long did you do this, by the way? Uh, how long? Yes, uh, I was a contractor for like forty years since nineteen eighty one wow. in Charlotte. Forty years—that's a long time. Yeah. So I've been listening to BT since nineteen fifty seven. My goodness, that is a long time. <laughs> so, uh, long, long time listener. So, I assume you're retired now. Well, no. Well, when I retired, I cut back from five days a week to six. So, I'm 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 still working. I'm 72, but still working light jobs. So, very much enjoying it. Well, we are glad you are doing well, and uh, we appreciate your call this morning on the Vince Coakley Radio Program. I have shared with you how my, um, I think the best way to describe it, my patience and sense of expectation from politicians in Washington, at least in terms of doing the right thing, I really don't have high expectations at all. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I expect... More than likely, they're going to cave in some form because they don't want to get blamed for a government shutdown. Now, there are also other folks out there who are very much concerned for political reasons. They do want people to think of them as being the reasonable people. That somehow they're the ones who are going to make sure that government... uh, there's a sense of continuity with government if we don't have a shutdown and that this could be used as an issue in the 2024 elections. I get all of that. But I'm not that worried about that because I think by the time the election rolls around, people are not going to care. They really aren't going to care. 
If you do, let me know. I would stand to be corrected. But I do not think this is where most Americans are. <laughs> Your perspective is welcome. 704-570-1110. I was quite stunned to see a little bit of journalism from the folks at CNN on the subject of Hunter Biden, which immediately connects with Joe Biden, and I will explain why. The Republican-led House Oversight Committee subpoenaed a bank for Hunter Biden's records, and they obtained two wire transfers from Chinese nationals to Hunter Biden in 2019 that listed President Joe Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home as the beneficiary address. So for all of the people out there saying this is all about Hunter Biden, here's another piece of evidence. It's not just about Hunter Biden. You're receiving wire transfers from the CHICOMs. And it's coming to your address. You're involved. The subpoena was quietly issued on Monday. It's the first time the committee issued a subpoena to a bank for Hunter Biden's records. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer said after the announcement, the subpoena was very specific, and these two wire transfers are the first examples the panel has found of Hunter Biden receiving money directly, not through a shell company. Comer telling reporters this went directly to Hunter Biden and the address listed was Joe Biden's. The six subpoenas the committee issued to banks up to this point were for records of Hunter Biden's business associates. The committee still plans to issue subpoenas to Hunter and James Biden, the president's brother, for their personal and business records. Now, the wires allegedly were addressed to Hunter Biden when his father was not in office and do not prove Joe Biden received any of the money. The CNN previously reporter Hunter Biden used the Wilmington address on his driver's license and the home was the site of a family intervention over his drug addiction back in 2019. Comer told CNN his panel is trying to put together a timeline on where Hunter Biden was living around this time. According to the committee, the wires allegedly showed Hunter Biden received a $10,000 wire from Wong Zin in 2019 separately a few weeks later. In August, Hunter Biden allegedly received a $250,000 wire from Jonathan Lee and Tan Ling. Both of the wires listed Joe Biden's home in Wilmington, Delaware, as the beneficiary address. Now, the committee did not provide the bank wires in their announcement on Tuesday. Hunter Biden's attorney, Abby Lowell, said the new allegation from House Republicans evaporates in thin air the moment facts come out. Lowell said that in 2017, Hunter Biden made a substantial investment in Bohai Harvest Rosemont Partners, where Lee is CEO. In 2019, the year of the wire transfers, Lowell said Hunter Biden was borrowing the funds using his equity as security. And the reason the wires went to the Wilmington address was because it was Hunter Biden's only permanent address at the time. Well, of course, reasonable explanation, right? This was a documented loan, not a distribution or a payout, that was wired from a private individual to his new bank account, which listed the address on his driver's license, his parents' address. Because it was his only permanent address at the time, we expect more occasions where the Republican chairs twist the truth to mislead people to promote their fantasy political agenda. Nonetheless, the investigation continues, and we will see where this goes as Republicans seek to find out the truth. What is the real truth about these matters related to the Bidens and money from the Chinese and others? As it relates to business, I think plenty of us have recognized that there's really no sensible reason why anybody would be giving Hunter Biden money. There's really no reason for that. Now, if this turns out to be a loan, then so be it. But I'm sure they're going to find, it's clear they're going to find circumstances that will indicate 
that this family has been selling influence. That's the only thing it is. So are you buckled up and ready for the ride? (laughs) I'm talking about the ride that you're going to experience for the next 13 plus months leading up to the 2024 election. I have a feeling this is going to go by pretty quickly, just like this year has. So what you have amounts to a campaign appearance for Joe Biden showing up at the Michigan picket line for the UAW. He jumped right into this ongoing labor strike by the United Auto Workers, sporting a ball cap and a bullhorn. This is the first of its kind moment for a sitting president, showing the vice the White House embarking on offense against former President Donald Trump. This has been very much a tit-for-tat, according to the Associated Press, going on for weeks over supporting auto workers. Trump spent much of Tuesday flogging Biden's trip, while the Biden campaign insisted Trump was merely backing the workers in order to benefit politically. The attention is certainly warranted. Michigan, along with Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Ohio, a key state that could help determine who takes the White House next year. It's also one that Democrats blew in 2016, when Hillary Clinton notoriously left it off her travel list in the crucial final days of that year's election. She certainly paid for that one, right? Biden, his White House, and his campaign, however, do not seem to be taking the Great Lakes state for granted. Here is some of the audio. I hope you can make it out. This is Mr. Magoo, President Joe Biden, speaking to auto workers. I understand he's on the ground there for just a few minutes, but here are just a few of his comments. Listen up. My goodness. All right, now get off the stage. (laughs) Joe Biden making an appearance in Michigan in support of the United Auto Workers who are picketing. Breitbart has a story, companion story to this. Soaring Trump snubs second Republican debate to meet auto workers. As you know, that big presidential debate's coming up this evening in California. The party's runaway frontrunner, scandal-plagued former President Donald Trump will reduce them to a sideshow by snubbing the event. Skipping the debates because he has no need to waste time on his distant challengers, according to Breitbart. Instead, the populist real estate tycoon, which we will also address later, who is this guy? Really? Battling multiple criminal proceedings, ranging from fraud to stashing state secrets at his golf club residences and conspiring to overturn the 2020 election, he's going to meet with auto industry workers in the battleground state of Michigan. At the event in Michigan, Trump will seek to boost his down-to-earth blue-collar message by meeting with the auto workers. The industry's in turmoil, with President Joe Biden visiting 
The union members yesterday, Trump expected to make an address at a non-unionized plant. That is what Mr. Trump is up to. But we've got more news on what's going on with Donald Trump. We'll have to share more of this after the break, but just to set the table. Associated Press reports on a significant ruling from a judge that Donald Trump defrauded banks and insurers while building his real estate empire. This has always been one of the things at the foundation of Donald Trump's resume, so to speak, that he's a successful business person. How much success is there really? We will talk about this and much more. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. So before the break, we set the table for sharing with you this latest development in the ongoing saga that is Donald Trump. A judge ruled yesterday Donald Trump committed fraud fraud for years while building the real estate empire that catapulted him to fame in the White House. And he ordered some of the former president's companies removed from his control and dissolved. This judge's name is Arthur Ingeron. He ruled in a civil lawsuit brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James, found that Trump and his company deceived banks, insurers, and others by massively overvaluing his assets and exaggerating his net worth on paperwork used in making deals and securing loans. Does any of this surprise you at all? Ingeron ordered that some of Trump's business licenses be rescinded as punishment, making it difficult or impossible for them to do business in New York, and said he would continue to have an independent monitor oversee Trump organization operations. If not successfully appealed, the order would strip Trump of his authority to make strategic and financial decisions over some of his key properties in the state. For his part, what do you expect to hear from Donald Trump on this? Well, in a series of statements, he railed against the decision, calling it un-American, part of an ongoing plot to damage his campaign to return to the White House. He said, my civil rights have been violated, and some appellate court, whether federal or state, must reverse this horrible un-American decision. That's what he put out on Truth Social, insisting his company had done a magnificent job for New York State and done business perfectly calling it a very sad day for the New York State system of justice. Trump's lawyer, Christopher Keist, said they would appeal, calling the decision completely disconnected from the facts and governing law. Now, Ingram's ruling, days before the start of a non-jury trial in James's lawsuit, is the strongest repudiation yet of Trump's carefully coiffed image as a wealthy and shrewd real estate mogul turned political powerhouse. Beyond mere bragging about his riches, Trump, his company, and key executives repeatedly lied about them on his annual financial statements, reaping rewards like favorable loan terms and lower insurance costs. This is one of the findings from the judge. The judge added those tactics crossed the line, violated the law, rejecting Trump's contention that a disclaimer on the financial statements absolved him of any wrongdoing. 35-page ruling. The question is, will this matter at all? So back out on the campaign trail, the man who has not done very well, he certainly has not lived up to expectations, is calling out the former president, mainly about his job performance. The first time he was in office, the man who would like to win the nomination, Ron DeSantis from Florida. This was in an appearance on 
The Laura Ingram Show. Ron DeSantis kind of laying out the case as to why he is running and the failures of former President Trump. Listen up. Well, he should step up to the plate and then we'll do it. I mean, I think we can talk about um, a lot of the things he's running in 2024 on a lot of the same promises he ran on in 2016 and didn't deliver on. He said he was going to drain the swamp. They didn't drain the swamp at all. He still defends hiring Christopher Ray. He didn't fire Ray. He didn't fire Fauci. He said Mexico was going to pay for the border wall. That didn't happen. They started the wall, but we've got a lot more to be able to do to finish the wall. He said he was going to eliminate the national debt. Uh, they added almost $8 trillion to the debt in four years. And then remember, he promised to appoint a special counsel for Hillary Clinton. Then after the election, two weeks later, he's like, oh, no, forget about it. That's what you say before the election. It's not what you say after. So now he's saying he's going to do one for Biden, but he had promised to do that for uh, in, in 2016. So I think it's about you got to deliver on these things. If we do the same thing and we don't deliver on 100 uh, percent, we're not going to turn the country around. Now's the time to deliver results. You know, we're going to be at Reagan's library. He said it was a time for choosing. It was our rendezvous with destiny. I think this election is for our generation because we're in danger of leaving to our kids and grandkids in America that's less free uh, and less prosperous than the one we inherited. And it certainly is a time for choosing. You will hear the presidential candidates tonight, at least those who qualified for this debate. That takes place this evening. And I remind you, Brett Winterbull will be behind this microphone at 8.45 p.m. For pregame coverage. And this will be in advance of the debate that gets underway this evening. Will you be listening, watching? How tuned in are you at this point? A little over a year before the big election. So what's the deal? You heard Ron DeSantis making his case for why he's running. He's basically saying, hey, I want to implement... The unfinished business of Donald Trump. He said he was going to do these things. He hadn't done any of this stuff. But I will. Donors seem to be looking away from Ron DeSantis and looking at someone else. Reuters, this story. Some Republican donors now I this person as the best hope against Trump. Who is it? Any wild guesses out there as to who they're hoping We'll get some traction now. Well, it's none other than former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. She appears to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' faltering campaign. More donors saying they're looking more closely at her candidacy as an alternative to frontrunner Donald Trump. Reuters spoke to four donors and one source close to a major donor who were impressed by the former North South Carolina Governor and U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. in the first Republican presidential debate in August and said they were keen to donate should she continue to strengthen as a candidate. They will watch closely to see how she does at this second debate. Can she set herself apart? DeSantis, once seen as the most formidable challenger to former President Trump, struggled to catch fire. Amid missteps, relentless Trump attacks on his candidacy. Despite his campaign struggles, he's retained the support of some major donors. Donors are absolutely crucial to keeping White House hopefuls afloat. And the willingness of some to now look beyond Santos underscores his struggle to convince donors that he actually is the best alternative to Trump. Also shows the despair of some Republican establishment donors looking for a viable candidate who is not Trump. Of the five donors looking at Haley, three have so far broadly set out the campaign. One is donated to DeSantis. Another was supportive of him but did not donate. Reuters also spoke to a half dozen Haley donors, advisors to donors, and even supporters of other candidates who said, more donors indeed are looking at Haley. One Republican donor who gave more than a million dollars to help DeSantis' presidential bid told Reuters he has doubts DeSantis can win and is now open to Haley, who's campaigning as a foreign policy hawk while emphasizing her relative youth compared to the 77-year-old Trump. So, 
Ms. Nikki Haley has her work cut out for her this evening. Can she seal the deal? Convince these donors she is the person. So, coming up, you're going to hear the latest about Michelle Obama. You know, the one who really wasn't proud of her country until her husband became the nominee. Well, we've got another story of here's another socialist who is doing quite well for herself. Also, an amazing story about what's happening with Target. Folks, we live in unprecedented times. We really do. Target is going to close. Close stores in several states. We're going to tell you the reason behind this. I, I, I think this is unprecedented for any major company. It shows you what is happening, especially in blue areas of the country. And gays against groomers sounding the alarm on something taking place in California. That much more as we continue our Wednesday edition of the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And welcome back to hour number two of the Vince Coakley Radio Program on this Wednesday. Seven candidates tonight seeking the Republican nomination for president, sharing the stage at the Reagan Presidential Library. Debate number two. We'll have Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, former Ambassador Nikki Haley, former Vice President Mike Pence, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy. All meeting on the stage this evening. They met the polling and fundraising threshold qualify for the stage. We already told you what Donald Trump's plans are this evening. He will be spending time focusing on UAW workers who are on strike. CBS poll released yesterday found Trump leads the Republican primary field comfortably in both Iowa and New Hampshire. His current margins would translate to winning half of Iowa's delegates and the lion's share in New Hampshire. Now, the eight candidates who participated in the first debate were asked if they would support Trump, even if he's convicted of a crime, all but Christie and former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who will not be in the second debate. Oh, my goodness. How terrible would that be? Most of these folks raised their hands in support. So this debate coming up 9 o'clock, remember, 845, right here in New Stock 1110 WVT. Our friend Brett Winterbull will join us to talk about what we will see this evening. So it should be interesting. I'm sure you remember years ago, remember Michelle Obama making the comment for the first time, this is after her husband won the nomination, for the first time, she was proud of her country. And it, and it just never ceases to amaze me. All of these socialists who are against capitalism, they are political opponents of capitalism, but they sure love the money from capitalism. Case in point, one of my favorite writers, Victor Davis Hansen, posted this on social media. Former First Lady Michelle Obama, often known to lecture Americans on their inequality and bias from one of her three mansion estates, <laughs> reportedly recently outkindied the diversity profiteering of Professor Ibram X. Kindy. She reportedly received an honorarium. Are you ready for this amount? Oh, my gosh. This is a lot of money. $741,000 for a mere one-hour message on diversity and inclusion in Munich, Germany. One wonders why Michelle, for this lucrative occasion, omitted the third component of the holy 
DEI Trinity, equity. One also wonders how strapped Germans about to experience a cold energy short winter and likely a loan of major European nations to suffer negative annual GDP growth felt about Michelle's payout for her hours work. For that matter, as Americans suffer Bidenomics, high interest, high inflation, high gasoline prices, how will they react to her next sermon on their supposed privilege? You know as well as I do, these folks are hypocrites through and through. They're going to continue to preach the socialism that is not going to change. But they'll go right on in their wonderful mansions and I'm sure with incredible carbon footprints while at the same time preaching to you about what horrible people you are, how you're racist, sexist, sexist, homophobic, all the other things that these folks love to do. I just thought you would love to hear about this $741,000 payout. That is a lot of money. whole lot. I'm very curious. How, how many of you remember a time when major store chains were closing stores because of crime issues? I mean, here close to home, you see what's happened to our malls? You've heard all the stories about things that have happened with North Lake Mall, for instance, and how it's affected stores. Ultimately, Apple moved out of North Lake. They are relocating. This it, We're in unprecedented times. I mean, some of this is due to economics, but let's get real here. These folks are really concerned about crime. Target announced they're going to close nine stores in four states, including one in East Harlem, New York, three in San Francisco, saying that theft and organized retail crime have threatened the safety of its workers and customers. The closings, effective October 21st, also include three stores in Portland, Oregon, two in Seattle. Isn't it interesting? All of these are in blue areas. That's not a coincidence, ladies and gentlemen. Not in the least bit. This is absolutely crazy. Target said it will still have a combined 150 stores open in the markets where the closures are taking place. Target will offer affected workers the opportunity to transfer to other stores, describing their decision as difficult. In their statement, we know our stores serve an important role in their communities. We can only be successful if the working and shopping environment is safe for all. Before making the decision, Target said it invested heavily in strategies to prevent and stop theft, like adding more security team workers, using third-party guard services, installing theft deterrent tools, like locking up merchandise. Also, has trained store leaders and security team members to protect themselves and de-escalate potential safety issues. But it noted, despite these efforts, continue to face fundamental challenges to operate the stores safely and the business performance of these locations unsustainable. Now, this is just a fraction of the 1,900 stores operated by Target Nationwide. This move is significant, underscoring the big challenges retailers face in reducing theft in stores as they wrestle with protecting their workers and customers while trying to serve the community, especially low-income and minority groups who rely on the local stores for necessities. For example, the Target store in East Harlem, located in a heavily Hispanic area, residents have few choices to buy good quality healthy foods in San Francisco, one of the stores slated to close, 13th Street and Folsom, under a busy overpass with homeless tents in a largely commercial neighborhood with auto shops. Seattle, one of the stores on a busy avenue near the University of Washington. Coming up, I'm going to tell you about some of the numbers. I mean, some of these numbers will blow your mind. You'll understand why Target's made this decision. Um, you just can't continue to take losses like this and justify the continuation of retail operations. We'll tell you how much money we're talking about as we continue the broadcast.
And we're back on the Vince Coakley radio program at this hour. It appears Bob Menendez is making his way to a courtroom for his first appearance in those federal charges against him. Already, it sounds like there are members of the Senate who are jumping on the bandwagon to call for his resignation. You remember it was Fetterman who was the very first from Pennsylvania. And now, two dozen, (laughs) two dozen Democrats calling for him to resign. They definitely do not want any air of corruption to have an impact on their election plans next year. That's what this is about. They don't really care about corruption, anything like that. Because many of these folks are probably doing similar things. Maybe not the same thing. But this is about appearances. They don't want to be associated with someone who looks bad, who looks crooked. So, there you go. For the break, I was telling you about the nine stores Target is closing in four states. And their big concern, safety. And you can throw in addition to the safety concerns, they've also got concerns about the bottom line. Target CEO Brian Cornell has been one of a handful of retail CEOs flagging what they described as rising theft over the past year or so. Cornell had held steadfast. He didn't want to resort to closing stores, despite mounting losses. Target said in May, theft was cutting into its bottom line, and it expected related losses could be 5 hundred million dollars more than last year that's a lot losses from theft estimated to be anywhere from 700 to 800 million dollars isn't that crazy so that means losses could actually top 1.2 billion dollars this fiscal year folks this is from theft Cornell told analysts in August violent incidents against workers at Target stores increased 120% for the first five months of the year. Compared with the same period last year. What is going on, folks? You see, it's obvious. Something has changed, hasn't it? Cornell says our team continues to face an unacceptable amount of retail theft and organized retail crime. Unfortunately, safety incidents associated with theft are moving in the wrong direction. Definitely in the wrong direction. The National Retail Federation, the nation's largest retail trade group, said its latest security survey, roughly 177 retailers found inventory loss called shrink, clocked in an average rate of 1.6% last year, representing $112.1 billion in losses. That's up 1.4% the previous year. So where did the most... Shrink or shrinkage come from 65% came from external theft, including products taken during organized shopping incidents. More than two thirds of respondents said they were seeing even more violence and aggression from perpetrators of organized retail crime compared with a year ago. Ugly picture, isn't it? Now, if you would ask me the question, why is this happening? We have a breakdown of law and order. This all goes back to the family. It breaks down at home, and then it makes its way throughout all of society. It's really that simple. It's not complicated. We have an atmosphere of lawlessness, and it certainly doesn't help when you have alleged lawmakers who are lawless, who think they are the law. Very interesting times we live in. No question about that. And I'm sure this will be one of the subjects of discussion this evening for the second debate in the Republican GOP primary contest. Remember Brett Winterbull tonight, 845, right here for pregame coverage. 
and then you can listen to the debate live. And I'm sure some of you will want to have a conversation about this after you hear the candidates. I'm very curious as to how much movement there has been among any of you, for that matter. Has anything changed based on what you're seeing and hearing out of these candidates? Is there anything that's grabbed your attention? And those of you who are solidly behind Donald Trump, is there anything about any of these candidates that you like at all? 7045-70-1110 is our phone number as we continue the broadcast still to come. The man who I believe may be on the short list of people, of ideal candidates for president on the Democrat side, he signed some interesting legislation yesterday. We're going to tell you what he did and why one particular group is sounding the alarm. We will delve into that and much more as we continue our Wednesday broadcast of the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, folks, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's when we're looking for your help. Here in September, Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month, we have our fourth annual WBT Little Heroes Blood Drive. Your generous donations of blood are critical in helping brave kids in the fight for their lives. We're asking you to consider donating tomorrow at the WFNZ Doghouse in Uptown, the fourth annual WBT Little Heroes Blood Drive in partnership with One Blood. Visit WBT.com for details and to register your appointments on the One Blood Big Red Bus. If you'd like to join the conversation here, our phone number is 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110. And you can also connect with me, Vince Coakley, at Vince Coakley on X, formerly known as Twitter. Or you can look for the Vince Coakley page on Facebook. Look for my picture behind the microphone. Let's go to the sprawling metropolis of Salisbury and Brad. Good morning, Brad. Hi, Vince. How are you doing today? All right, sir. Uh, Vince, do you have a great show? I really love you guys. And you remind Thank me, you. Uh, don't take it wrong, but uh, you remind me a lot of John Hancock that you talk with us instead of to us or, you know, at us. And I really appreciate that. I want you to know that right up front. Well, thank you. I consider that a high compliment. Uh, I have a great deal of admiration for John Hancock. Uh, Vince, I was wondering, have you ever heard of a uh, retail chain? It's not business anymore, but it was called Service Merchandise. Oh, my goodness. I was just thinking about that place a few days ago. Yeah. You remember how you used to go in, and you could not actually pull anything off the shelf. When you walked through that store, everything was either chained or bolted down or just an empty box. And if you wanted to buy that product, you took a slip from where that product was sitting, and you took it to the counter, and right. everything that you bought from that store at that time was actually brought to you in a basket, a plastic, I remember plastic that. basket on a conveyor belt, and you presented mm-hmm. your ticket to the guy, and then you walk out with your merchandise. Yep, I remember that. I love that store. I wonder if more companies or retail uh, stores would start doing that, if that would actually cut down the, the theft. I mean, how could it not? Because... There would be nothing there for somebody to, to smash and grab and <laughs> exactly. walk out with it. You would have to actually pay for your product to get it yep. in your hands before you walk out the door. You know, that's that's a brilliant idea. Uh, I wonder if this is something that anybody is considering now uh, with this new situation. It's one of those things. How do you go? How do you go back from this, Brad? Once there's been this atmosphere of lawlessness. I just don't see any way around um, other than what you've described here. This is a, <laughs> that's definitely a solution right there. Definitely well, a solution. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're, we're going to be able to until the lawmakers, be it uh, 
local, state, or federal start buckling down on this problem that we have. And uh, until that until that really happens, then it's not going to change. But yep. I that's my you're opinion. Absolutely, you're absolutely right, Brad. Uh, great to talk with you. Please do call again. Would love to hear from you. For the break, I told you about a big change coming to California. And this, to me, I think is one of those things that um, is just an example of what happens when the alphabet mafia is able to basically get whatever they want. Here's a post from Gays Against Groomers. California will now find schools that ban pornographic books from their libraries and classrooms. Gavin Newsom said the people who think kids shouldn't have access to them are fringe ideologues. We say anyone who does needs to have their hard drives swept. Yeah, I definitely agree wholeheartedly with this group gays against groomers. So what's happened here in California? Gavin Newsom signed into law a bill prohibiting schools from banning books on racial or LGBTQ plus teachings that could result in fines for any authority in the state that defies the legislation. The move against what Newsom calls textbook censorship in schools follows an unprecedented wave of book bans in Florida and across the U.S. Legislation in direct response to efforts by conservative leadership in some California school districts to censor or remove books, notably one in the Riverside County city of Temecula that opposed featuring content on slain San Francisco gay rights leader R.V. Milk. From Temecula to Tallahassee, fringe ideologies across the country are attempting to whitewash history and ban books from schools. The comment from Gavin Newsom, with this new law, we're cementing California's role as the true freedom state, a place where families, not political fanatics, have the freedom to decide what's right for them. So people who want to protect children from perverts like you, Mr. Newsom, are fanatics. Thank you for letting us know. We'll remember this when you're running for president next year. This is sad. And I'm sure I don't need to give you examples here of the content of some of these things that have been banned. Remind yourself, these are children. These are not adults. These are not issues of adults choosing whatever. This is about people going after your children and trying to make illicit materials available to them. Don't be fooled by this book banning language because that's not at all what this is about. And they know that. But they just like to fan the flames and make it look like you are something that you're not. It really is disgusting. In fact, I'm looking for a social media post, and it was a really good one, that touches on this. Because it really goes to the heart of, sadly, what's happened to our country. People have basically bastardized language. And they're not really describing what is really taking place. They love using language which somehow avoids describing what's really happening. And when I describe to you the fact that they are going after our children, you need to be reminded that's exactly what this is about. It's not about adults and free choices. It's about children. And the alphabet mafia is going after your children. Make no mistake about it. So if you're a parent, you need to be vigilant and not allow this kind of thing to undermine your relationship with your children. And for that matter, your children's future. Love to get your thoughts as we continue the broadcast. Back in the final stretch of the Vince Coakley radio program, breaking news out of New York City, where Senator Bob Menendez has pleaded not guilty to all those federal charges against him. 
you saw, and I'm sure you've seen, ad nauseum, all of the money that this guy supposedly had in his house when it was raided, the gold bars, the Mercedes. I mean, those are the images. Whenever I see Bob Menendez now, that's what I'm going to think of, those images. But, of course, he is insisting he is innocent, not guilty of the charges against him. That was his plea this morning in a court in New York City. And if, just giving a Bernie Bernie heads up here, if he does happen to make a statement, maybe we will uh, let you hear what he has to say. But as I mentioned earlier, other politicians are lining up now to distance themselves from him. Nobody wants the residue of the stench of this guy's corruption anywhere near their campaign as we lead into 2024. Understand that's what this is about. It's about 2024. And making sure that you think of your politician as being squeaky clean. That's what they're determined to do. All right, folks. Time for a look at the day in history. Total of seven items here. And some of these, most of these, are kind of obscure, so I won't even dare ask them as questions for Bernie. Oh, perfect. 1540 is when the Jesuit order was established. 1540, long time ago. Then we go 400 years to 1920. Eight Chicago White Sox players are charged with fixing the 1919 World Series. Mm. Makes it sound like professional wrestling. (laughs) Here is your first quiz question, though. The longest-serving president in American history appeals with Hitler for peace. Who was this guy? Was this appealed for peace? FDR. FDR is absolutely positively correct. 1962, Rachel Carson's Silent Spring is published. 1989, Zsa Zsa Gabor stormed out of a courtroom. This one for you, Bernie. Okay. This particular group captured Afghanistan's capital of Kabul in 1996. I'll give you a hint. They have since recaptured Afghanistan's capital of Kabul. Would it be the Taliban? Yes, unfortunately. we. Uh, isn't it weird that here we are, and it's happened again, and we pretty much just let them have it. And last but not least, 2003, the European Space Agency launched a probe to circle the moon. Hmm. That's a look at the day in history. So, Bernie, do you have, uh, you seem like a very mild-mannered guy. Do you get upset? Do you get mad? Oh, Vince. Yes, <laughs> all the time. All the time. My wife actually has to deal with a lot of that when I get home most of the time. Oh, so. boy. So, yeah. So, well, you know, Pete's looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but it's the truth, you know, your loved ones take a brunt of your, you know, stress and they're there to help you calm down and that she does a great job of that. So yeah, there's definitely times where I let my emotions get the best of me. Okay. Okay. Um have you ever worked in retail? No, I've worked in the service industry. I, my first two jobs were in restaurants, but never worked in retail before. Okay. The reason I pose this question is I wonder if people who work in retail can identify somewhat and I'm just saying somewhat, with this person I'm about ready to describe to you. This is a bizarre story that is making its way through the justice system. TMZ has this story. Jack-in-the-box employee pulls gun on angry customer. Ready, aim, fire. This is really bizarre. We have pictures. So what is this story about? Well, let me tell you. A jack-in-the-box employee got wound up a little too tight when dealing with an angry drive through customer, whipping out her gun and firing as the customer fled. This insane footage just surfaced as part of an ongoing lawsuit. A man named Anthony Ramos filed against the fast food chain all over a 21 incident, 2021 incident, that Ramos says was caught on video showing a jack-in-the-box worker firing bullets after she and Ramos got into it over curly fries. Really? They're really good, Vince. They are good. I'll give give them credit for that. (laughs) Essentially, Ramos says he and his family, including his pregnant wife and young daughter, 
swung by a Houston area Jack in the Box March of 21 and ordered a combo meal to go. But when he told the employees he was missing items, that's when it escalated. The back and forth arguing got so intense, Ramos apparently started to chuck some of the food back at the drive through crew. Oh, you can't do that, man. <sighs> Not smart. No, you can't do that. That's when employee, I hope I pronounced her name correctly, Anania Fantasia Ford went back into the recesses of the restaurant to return with a pistol in hand. The surveillance video that Ramos and his legal team obtained in Discovery seems to show Ford shooting at least a couple of times at Ramos and his car. And that's the point they speed away, which is probably a smart move, you think? Nobody hurt here, but Ramos and company are now going after the jack-in-the-box alleging they were negligent in hiring this woman. Ford's also reportedly being sued and was arrested over this as well. Apparently copped a plea to a deadly conduct charge, already served her sentence. Ramos seeking $250,000 in damages. No response yet from Jack in the Box. Isn't that crazy? To, that's, that's nuts. To take your gun to work and to fire at... A customer <laughs> now again we would affirm it's not cool to throw food at employees at a restaurant no but it's never that serious Vince. no come on no. curly fries really is it that big of a deal mm -mm. oh my gosh not worth uh, potentially a life it's not worth yeah that. this is absolutely insane it's amazing too that this woman's already served her sin i don't know what her sentence was uh, but um She's already out. And I would say I would, if I lived in that area, I would take note of who this person is and uh, make sure she's not working at any fast food restaurant. That would not be good at all. Just putting that out there. That's all the time we have with the Vince Coakley radio program. Remember, tomorrow we'll be broadcasting live. Um, please, I have been asking you for several weeks now to uh, sign up to join us for the Little Heroes Blood Drive. This takes place at the WFNZ Doghouse in Uptown. We'll be broadcasting live from there tomorrow. I hope to see you there. In the meantime, have yourselves a great afternoon, and God bless you. Adios.